Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the night before the 1000. Craig Ravel with the editor, uh, the content editor of VFX Magazine. I'll get it right eventually. Adrian Mussolino, of course. The previous voice of uh, V8 Insiders and the voice of the supercars, Singapore and... Goodness knows how many other places as well. Paul Marinelli. Hello, thank you. And Peter Norton from <laughs> Inside Motorsport. Hi there, Craig. Look, uh, what we've seen today is uh, a new lap record. Oh, two minutes, 3.8312, if you want to go right down to the uh, last decimal place. Paul, put it into context. You were here when the lap of the gods was set. Yeah, very much so. Well, that was the time that everyone thought, gee, it's going to be so hard for anyone to ever get close to that again and all this sort of thing. And and if you think back, let's go way back here and think of the Sierra days and stuff like that. And and when people freaked out over a two-minute, 10-second lap, and, you know, that wasn't really all that long ago when you think about it, right? And to, to see that, I knew that we'd get a three this weekend. I actually thought it would come before now, like during qualifying. Um, but the way that was done under that sort of pressure, almost half a second quicker than everybody was the last car out. Yeah, Scott is just extraordinary. I mean, 14 poles for the season. It's just incredible. But that car earlier today, I was lucky enough to do with Adrian and Peter, and we all went up to the top of the mountain. And you could clearly see that that car, whether it was him driving or Prima, it was the most stable car across the top of the mountain by miles. And even in that shootout lap, even when it looked like it was going wrong... (laughs) It was perfect. So uh, outstanding, outstanding, and full credit to Scott McLaughlin on an amazing performance. I should mention that coming up on the show today, we have got Scott McLaughlin. I spoke to him on Friday. I spoke to Alex Premer and Ludo after that uh, amazing lap uh, today. We also have David Reynolds and, uh, well, Macaulay Jones, who we'll talk about it later as well. So there's still plenty coming up here oh, and let's not forget Ryan Walkinshaw and the big news from Andretti United joining that operation but Adrian uh, the lap of the gods was a six and McLaughlin it's a three three seconds quicker than what we thought the fastest time was and I know Greg always had a bit of a beanie's bonnet that when the lap record was being broken it wasn't being broken mm. in the one lap shootout where there is the personification of pressure being applied yeah, it's over three seconds actually, and that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> you know, considering we're talking motorsport, three seconds is a lifetime, and there's a lot of similarities in the laps as well. Murph made a mistake on his lap coming out of the dipper; he plucked the wrong gear, so it could have been a lot better. And McLaughlin as well was pretty wild on top of Skyline, so who knows? It could have been an even lower time, and you know, it took a while for Murph's lap of the gods record to be beaten. We might be saying the same about Scotty's. Peter, you've been trackside and you've been watching these cars quite closely heading through all parts of the track. What are you seeing out there this year? Um, I, I think Adrian summed it up well with the, at the stability of the, of the Shell Falcons. That seems to be uh, what is seeing that little bit apart. Um, the ProDrive cars uh, have got the engine... Uh, the upgraded engine spec, so they've narrowed the gap quite a lot. And uh, unfortunately for Holden fans, um, they're, they're well behind. They are indeed. Only two, Paul. Only two Holdens in the top five. Mm. And the first one, it isn't the one you expected. It is David Reynolds, who, of course, uh, la- earlier this week I tipped to win the whole thing. Well, let's point out a customer car as well that's been able to achieve this. You know, there's just extraordinary stuff from Erebus Motorsport. But David's always fast here. He's always fast here. Um, kind of missed an opportunity to win this race. <laughs> Maybe he could try again. But Dean Cano reminded him too, didn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but if through, based on pace alone, right, 
depending on what happens, and we know it's an incredibly long race and anything can happen, but if it's on pace, Scott is just going to clean him up. But having said that, here he's always quick and, and it's very impressive to see him once again you know, with the team, with their car for the first season and, and getting their heads around everything and doing so well compared to factory teams in inverted commas. Amazing. Adrian, it, it, he's so much fun to have a round of press conference too. Dave Reynolds, yeah, he's always going to say something a bit silly and a bit quirky, which will get some headlines. Let's not forget what he said here a few years ago, which changed the trajectory of his career. But Well, actually know, it didn't. Well, I've been told by the team it wasn't the ultimate reason. Well, find me a team that sacked someone who's a top two driver at the time, top two and top three, and well in the fight for the championship, and fires them. Find me another one, because you won't. I'm telling you, what I'm getting, I was told by the highest echelon. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you were told that, yeah. <laughs> and that's this year. Mm. Mm. I'm sure you were told that, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, he has a point to prove, definitely, yeah. and he's always reminded Pro Driver of the fact of what happened and how close he came, and losing his gig there. And um, even though you know his replacement has now gone on to become a Sandown 500 winner, so there's a bit of needle in there, and mm. they're all up there. All four Pro Drivers are there. He's up there, leading Holden by quite some margin as well. So, by the way, the dance party has started. And <laughs> you are right into it. I can see Peter uh, Winterbottom in third. Not been he's been there or abouts, but that was a really good lap. It was a fantastic lap, and uh, of course, that, that being third, that has him that uh, nose ahead of. Ch- of Chaz, uh, which I think people were surprised that Winterbottom would have had that edge. Uh, that team were really quite ecstatic uh, there for a little couple of minutes before that time got pipped. Um, you can see that uh, it's been a long, hard journey for that team to get back to the pointy end, uh, and they're enjoying being uh, close now. It's remarkable that there's only six Falcons on the grid, and they all made the shootout, yeah. and they're all going to be starting from the top eight. And you know, lots been said about Ford not supporting them, and no money from the factory and they're not really interested in marketing the success of DJR Team Penske and ProDrive and here they are, they're the two powerhouse teams this weekend and they have strength in numbers and you know even if a few of them run into trouble, there's a few others that can fill the void so it really is a Ford benefit this weekend Are we surprised there's no Nissans in the top 10? Oh no, not really because the straight line speed sadly... um you know, getting direct from Dave Russell of what's been going on down there. And look, the car's good. The car handles well and everything. It's just straight line. They're losing over three tenths of a second every lap down the main straight, down Conrock Straight. You just can't do that here. You know, and, and, and hence why, why it's happened. They're just out of the 10, but, you know, with Rick Kelly up in 12th. But, uh, you know, Simone's way down in uh, 24th. But we, we know it doesn't matter where you start in this race. You know, if you've got a good strategy and you can try and try and work up, their big problem is going to be straight line speed, though, which is really, really bad here. Uh, just the point about Mark Winterbottom's effort, too. Um, you would have noticed during the season that, you know, it's hard to see from the outside and stuff, but you know, a team rallies around the drivers who are doing well. It's just natural. It's not because of him specifically. Any team you go to, the, the driver who's going well or the drivers who are going well, is what the team will rally behind. And sometimes you can fall off the radar quite a bit, no matter what you've achieved in the past and this and that. I think him being the top PRA car is very similar to David's situation, David Reynolds' situation, as making a bit of a point and just reiterating to the team that, hey, we've got three fantastic drivers here. Yeah, of course we do. You know, we've got a number of great drivers, but I am still, you know, as fast, if not faster than everybody. And he needed to make that point because it was starting to look, you know, the team weren't rallying. I feel rallying around him the way that they normally would. And, and when things like this happen, it's just a natural occurrence that, that everybody peps up and says, "Hey, here's our shot to win the race." Not, not to mention the other guys are still in with a, uh, a chance as well. So, Paul, you were talking about the disadvantage the Nissans have. They're the ones that have been doing the rain dance, perhaps. Yes, well, they're going to need it. I tell you, the rain will help them a lot. It'll help a lot of people, actually, if it rains, a lot of drivers and teams, because that power, that speed difference compared to this team, DJR, team Penske, uh, DJR Team Penske is just extraordinary. Like, if that's what they can do in one lap in qualifying trim, in the race, because you, 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 you tune down the car so it's comfortable for the race. You know, what they'll do now is tune the car back so it's actually a comfortable car to do 161 laps in. And if you've got that kind of an advantage, it is just, even if it's a bit less than that, over 161 laps, oh my goodness. Scott McLaughlin and Alex Premer talk about that in the interviews we've got coming up later in the show. Excellent. Uh, 
look, uh, Van Geer's the best of the Red Bull Holden Racing triple eight cars combined in fifth place very solid uh, shootout lap but just um, I think they are well they've swapped brake pads over and we've, we'll no doubt talk about brake issues in a moment but uh, they look like they've been playing catch up all weekend Adrian oh. yeah the car hasn't looked right it hasn't looked stable they've had a few off track excursions and you know, this isn't the track to have a car that's sort of throwing you off uh, off your line. So I think they've been in a struggle. It's, you know, remarkable to think of Winkup not even making the shootout. He's been the dominant driver here for a few years, and it's hard to believe that he's going to be starting from 11th place. All right. Now, just rounding out the rest of the top 10 for the moment in the shootout, uh, Fabian Coulthard back there in 6th, or Coulthard back there in 7th, sorry. 8th um, place, Jason Bright. Now, that was a, a good effort and showed the PRA strength. Yeah, I mean, three, all three cars extremely strong and uh, it, they've, they've linked to, towards this, though, the, I should say, season of endurance. They've shown really good consistency among all their cars, but all season they can't be set. You know, at least now they're, they're really showing that they can get every single car where it needs to be. And Jason's, Jason's effort on that lap was very, very good too. So he's always an, another driver you can never discount from this race. He's very, very good up here. Gary Jacobson, how will he go with him? We'll see. You know, he's been pretty solid here before, so yeah, we'll see. All right, we go to now eleven through fifteen, and Jamie Winkup. Someone mentioned earlier about not making the cut, but then you had Kelly Caruso, Percat, who uh, in the Brad Jones Racing car. That, that seems to be the only car that hasn't had trouble so far in the season of endurance, Peter. Yes, uh, the Brad Jones Racing Team have uh, spent a lot of time doing panel beating and rebuilding of cars, and uh, you're correct that uh, Percat's about the only one that uh, hasn't stuck it into a fence in the last couple of weeks, so uh, uh, that must be much better for their preparation compared to their teammates. And to, uh, uh, Paul, you've been in team land for so long now. What does it mean to a team where they are constantly rebuilding cars and trying they're just playing catch up for the setup yeah, aren't they you're behind the eight ball all the time I think it's an extraordinary effort that they are where they are given you know, exactly what Peter said it, it, it's just so hard because so much of the team's time including people who should be working on other things are working on getting these cars ready <laughs> into the track they've done an outstanding job the pace isn't so bad when you think about it and um you know, again, very, very long race. They've done well here before, and uh, I don't see why they can't do well tomorrow as well. But it's very, very hard on the guys. They'll be very tired. And remember the turnaround time between here and the Gold Coast. When you include the road transport to Albury and back and then over the Gold Coast, it's not a lot of time. So they'll be hoping and praying that they don't smash up cars here as well. And obviously, uh, with Macaulay Jones getting the win and first win for Brad Jones and the family here at Bathurst, uh, I don't know if they won in any other division here. Mm. So it's a long, long time they've been coming. It's going to give them a big boost. It's going to give them a big pep, and uh, they, they'll be able to leverage that adrenaline into the race tomorrow. For sure, for sure. Great to see that today in the Super 2 race. Mm. Very, very entertaining indeed. And uh, it's, it's so funny to see the two cousins and, the, the, and their, their fathers and uncles, respectively, um, celebrating in such a way on the podium. It was, um, it was very, very nice to see. All right, now Peter Craig Lowndes is going to start out of 19th. He's got an awful lot of cars to pass. Um, yes, but uh, still one of the uh, crowd favourites, of course. And uh, uh, he's uh, has the ability around here to, to bridge some of that gap, but uh, has really been lacking the speed to be a real contender. Uh, I suspect he needs uh, something to go quite wrong with others but to be uh, on the podium at the end. All right, now, Adrian, we missed... Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have missed, but missed... Uh, the car of James Courtney and the Walkinshaw announcement this week obviously that has uh, had a lot of focus on this team with um, Michael Andretti here to announce that he's buying into the team, also Zach Brown from United Autosports coming in as well and he's part of McLaren so we're we're talking about a, a big enterprise coming into what was already a big international team although it had uh, diminished over the years. Absolutely, it was this time last year where we knew they were going to be stripped of their factory funding and lose the Holden Racing team name, which for that team was devastating, that was their core identity, so to come back a year later and have this new deal sewn up with, you know, these powerhouse American, you know, 
teams it's it's great and you know talk of new manufacturers it's what the team needs a new direction and hopefully they can get a good result with Michael Andretti here and you know get it going it'd be great to see another team like DJI Team Penske up there and fighting amongst that in a top echelon. They are trying to be realistic too, Peter. They're not saying that this is going to fix things overnight. In fact, uh, Michael and Ryan both said this doesn't start till 2018. So they're saying DJR took three years to get where they are now. It's going to be a long systematic rebuild that they have to go through. Yes, they did emphasise that these things do take time. But they also pointed out one of their key strategies is to, to go and find a manufacturer. Uh, someone that wants to bring a, uh, a new badge to the sport uh, and of course the, the business networks that those names have will open up lots of doors to have those conversations. And Paul, that is critical because manufacturer support we've seen, it isn't vital, it's not the lifeblood of, of the racing and the championship but it just helps, that extra income, those extra opportunities are all there. Oh, for sure. The the added investment that comes with a, a true manufacturer, uh, true manufacturer support lifts everything, and it lifts their technology. It lifts their ability to, to, to develop better cars, to get better drivers, to to develop their drivers. To you know, everything increases when you've got more investment. Whether that's from manufacturers, sponsors, but then it, big companies want to be involved with other big companies. So if you've got a big manufacturer, well, that'll attract a big sponsor. It, it's just one thing after the other. An interesting point about um, the Holden Racing Team. Now, if you remember when they started, it took them five years to win a race, right? You know, it, it didn't happen overnight, even as a factory team here. Um, but I think these days, with the technology that's available through Andretti Motorsport, through United, and stuff, and given their own expertise, that they, they're being very cautious. But I don't think it'll take very long at all. You know, if they really will put their effort in, I don't think it'll take long at all for them to get up. I think one of the key things about uh, chasing a new manufacturer is if it can bring an exciting car to the to the grid, mm. sponsors will jump on board Absolutely. for that that exciting car because of the cross promotion and just awareness mm. of hey, it's a, an exciting mm. X car. I want my stickers on it. And this is the problem we have when you don't have manufacturer support or they pull out. It sends a bad message out corporate, corporately as well. You know, oh, why did they pull out? Well, therefore, why should we get involved? You know, everybody likes to be involved with a big brand, a big team, big drivers, etc. things like that. So. And I guess it's highlighted more by if a car company is not sponsoring motor racing, mm. what's in it for us? Yeah. And, yep. you know, there's 16 car companies involved in AFL. And I think it's ridiculous that we have so many makes and models available in Australia now. 74 or something is the number all up. It's insane. You know, we used to laugh at New Zealand that had 50-something. We're, we're now way beyond that. So many European cars getting sold in Australia. So many Asian cars getting sold in Australia. Yet, for some reason, they haven't seen our major touring car series as something that's appealing to them. So hopefully these organisations can, can change that. Not all of them, sorry. Some have. Adrian, HSV, it's uh, their performance arm of the company and obviously a new manufacturer being involved in that team what does that mean to their core business well that's you know an interesting question we posed to ryan walkinshaw and he was keen to stress that there is a difference between hsv and the race team and you know if they do go for a new manufacturer they will have to split obviously the marketing around that and you know we did ask about the Chev Camaro and whether that's an option and he was very quick to dismiss that so that's interesting given the speculation at the moment about whether that car's coming to the marketplace Mm. obviously you know Holden might not approve of having a Camaro race against the new Commodore because essentially you're you know your two products are racing against each other Mm. yeah and that's that's never a real good sign is it Um, Paul AP racing breaks once again coming into focus they had a rotor explode at the Grand Prix which Nick Burkett was the unfortunate um, recipient of their big accident now we're hearing stories of cracking disc rotors when they're using the AP uh, PSC01 pads and Project Moo is now being put on just about all the cars for this year's race that's quite an interesting affair because the two brakes do have very very different characteristics and drivers like particular things when they go for the uh, stop pedal sure they like a particular feel when their brakes as you would when you're travelling at 300 kilometers an hour going down um, Conrod and heading into the chase but um Look, you know, we've just got to find what is the safest option uh, moving forward. Um, given the fact that it's not happening to everybody, this is always something I'm a bit sceptical about. It's like exploding tyres, things like that. 
when it's not happening to absolutely everybody, well then there's got to be issues involved with, with how they're running, the temperatures they're, they're, they're reaching, that sort of thing. Um, I think when you, you'll know if it's happening over and over and over again to a number of different cars, then we've got a big, big problem. But if it's only happening with some, well, you've got to look into what are these guys exactly doing, you know? Mm. And now Nissan's new boss is here and he's uncommittal for the future of Nissan Racing. What does that mean, Adrian? Uh, it means we'll have to wait and see what <laughs> they do. It and means he's not committal. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, oh, there's, sorry. There's that too. And, uh, and obviously, you know, the qualifying performances, you know, aren't strengthening the cause. And, you know, we're talking about factory funding and how important that is. At the end of the day, Nissan has the biggest factory presence on the grid. Mm. They have four cars and they're being outperformed by customer teams like Erebus and you know teams like ProDrive and DJR Team Penske which you know although very wealthy they don't have any manufacturer backing so there need to be questions asked of Nissan it's the end of their fifth year in the series and there's you know what, a handful of podiums and two race wins from memory so um, and you know that engine issues which day back from day one they really do get exposed here. Mm. Well, we've got uh, plenty more coming up on the night before the 1000. After the break, it's, uh, uh, it's Ryan Morganshaw talking about the new partnership. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Eastside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Ryan Walkinshaw, a big day for the uh, team in announcing the uh, partnership going forward with Andretti Motorsport and United Autosport. It's uh, an interesting time for you and an interesting time for how the team will move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I've used the word game changer a few times in this and I think that I genuinely believe that this is, uh, is going to dramatically uh, uh, improve uh, the team's performance um, on track and um, you know, to have the relationship with, with, a, with two organisations in Andretti Autosport and United Autosports, you know, it's uh, pretty much a match made in heaven. What do you hope will be the immediate uh, benefit from the partnership? Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to quantify that immediately. The, the organisation only really gets set up in January 1st next year when, we, when the, uh, the, 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 the new deal is, 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 is put into operation. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we're going to be working, we really are working closely with the guys at Andretti and, and some of the guys at United on, uh, on some short-term quick fixes for the, for the race team. Mm-hmm. And with talk about going back into Asia, Andretti Autosport in Formula E, Zach Brown with McLaren, um, that's also going to help with their global branding as, as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're both teams that see themselves as global brands, and it's hard to be a global brand when you're just racing in Australia, but now that we've got the relationship with them, you know, uh, trying to create this sort of global super team that we, we, we've, been, we've been, you know, coining the term of a little bit, I think... Um, you know, it's exciting. How does that allow you then to concentrate on your other properties in Australia? Because uh, uh, amazingly, it's not just HSV, it's not just Walkinshaw Racing, there's Walkinshaw Sports, there's all these yeah, other sure. subsidiaries as well, yeah, which you have to focus on. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, we've, we've, we've got a, a, lo- a large business that's been growing pretty rapidly, which is, which is fantastic. And, you know, I've been saying recently, you know, one of the issues we've got is we just signed a new lease for the new facility, which was, you know, 30% larger than what we currently had. And, um, you know, with all the new work we've had coming in, we've already, we've already maxed it out before we've even moved in. So um, it's a fantastic problem to have and, you know, a real testament to the hard work that, you know, Tim and our team in, 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 in Walkinshaw Automotive Group are, are, are doing. Um, how does this affect, you know, how much time I spend on anything? I mean, I spend a huge amount of time uh, working in the race team. Um, you know, even though it's a small part of our turnover, it's you know a big part of our passion. And uh, golf, I, I knew you were a rugby man, I knew you were a motorsport man, but golf, where's that interest come from? Um, we just see it as a, as, a, as a good opportunity. We see we can add value there, and um, sporting goods is is, 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 uh, is is something where you know we've uh, we've seen some opportunity and, and, and focused on it, and it's been uh, yeah, it's been an awesome success so far. So couldn't be happy with that little business that we started from scratch and where it is today. It's pretty big now. Yeah, it's doing very well. Yeah. And uh, race-wise, what do you expect out of Bathurst? Um, the cars so far have been pretty quick. I don't want to 
jump the gun too much, but you know we've been relatively positive. Going back on this tyre has definitely improved us. We've been saying all year that the thing that's really screwed us this year has been going onto that new tyre. It just doesn't suit our car and how we set it up at all. Um, so you know, changing tyres has been uh, definitely been a benefit for us, um, and we're seeing that in the practice sheets. Let's hope that translates into qualifying and the race. Well, all the best. Thank you very much. Cheers. DJR Team Penske has welcomed the new combination, and Ben Nightingale spoke with Bud Denker, the president of Penske Corporation. So, Bud, we've obviously had the uh, announcement about Andretti and United uh, joining the supercars overnight. Um, what's Penske's perspective on that announcement? Well, I think you look at the people that have uh, got involved with this, with Zach uh, Brown and, of course, with Michael, two people that have been very successful in the sport of racing. Of course, Michael's got you know his family and his legacy himself is a... It's terrific on, on its own, but with Zach uh, obviously involved now with the McLaren organization, I think it shows the, the confidence that people overseas have in this series. It shows the strength of the series, I think, that you've seen over the last few years as well. And um, I think they wouldn't be getting involved in it if they didn't think that, like we do, that this place is a really a place to grow your brand, you know, grow your uh, uh, grow with your sponsors, and then uh, and see a, and see a sports like you see today that's uh, on a high trajectory for growth. So I think it's great all around. I don't think there's any any anything that's not a good news about people coming into it, especially those two organizations. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. <sighs> Dave Reynolds. Second on Friday, first on Thursday. It's uh, going backwards, but it's still in the right, it's still in the right end of the uh, it's still in the right end of the ledger. Yeah, mate, it's going really good. Um, it was a bit of a tricky session for us because you know in in practice, the last practice, practice five, I think it was. I made a few mistakes and the car wasn't handling that well when the track group was up and um, we rolled out. And the best my car is is when it's got you know full of when it's got a lot of fuel on board. It balances up really well. And as the fuel burn starts to burn off, it starts to get a little bit lighter and a little bit skatey and, and kind of a little bit twitchy. So we made a really good... Al made a perfect change at the last stop and the last set of tyres. And it kind of brought the balance back a little bit, but still still quite edgy. Um, and the lap didn't feel that like it. I, I didn't think it would be that much faster, but it, it turned out it was. So, you know, if, I, if we balance the car up, I can go even faster. How important is the shootout? Is it all a uh, measuring competition, or is it actually set you up for the race? No, it sets you up for the race, and it's a measuring competition, so it's everything. Um, it's cool. It's cool to be fast around here. It's the best to be on pole, uh, but you know, it's, it's a 161 lap race. It doesn't really matter where you start, but you can always race forward if you've got good strategy. But it just makes your day a lot easier, and it takes takes a bit of pressure off the first stint because you're not under pressure to pass people and and do stupid things. So, um, yeah. Obviously, our objective is to be as far up the front as we can tomorrow. With this weekend, we've gone back to the old tyre. It seems to be quite stable, and everyone's pretty much got a grip on it. I think that was a bit of a concern for you, because the 2017 tyre had been so good for this car and for you guys. So I guess you're a little bit relieved about that. Yeah, I I am. Um, But I'm also slightly disappointed that we didn't get to run on the 2017 tyre. But for us, being on the 2016 tyre at Baffers is no different to last year, so... It's 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 kind of feels normal for us. So I got I don't really have a comparison on the new tyres to compare it against. So um, it feels normal. Uh, either way, I just I love being here. I love driving this track. Doesn't matter what tyre I'd be on, I'd still enjoy it. Now we are seeing and hearing about brake problems, and yes. uh, a lot of people are playing ducks and drakes. And we saw a lot of sandbagging throughout the two days so far. Yep. How big an issue are brakes going to be? Well, um, we do have a new disc in the category, but it's it's. I don't think it's doing what they planned. Like I've still got big vibrations in my car, and not big vibrations, but it's. You know, I'm always a little bit cautious. Put 
pushing on the pedal because, you know, I've had a few times if I've had a big slide and get a bit of rattly. If I go over curb funny or something or the car bounces, the pedal gets really long. So it's um, it's not ideal, but, you know, it's it's we've seen it in the past, you know, the brakes do blow apart here for some reason. Um, and hopefully it doesn't happen to us because it would be shit scary. Mm. It, is it conceivable we'll have two pad and rotor changes through the race? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think we're armed ourselves to do rotor changes, but I don't think so. I think we've only done pads. Certainly at Sandown it didn't seem like an issue, but once again, different different, different boost. Race, yeah, different, different race, different tyres, but yeah, this one, because they get such a big cool off that, you know, the... The, um, the thermogenesis on it is, is quite big around here. This race means a lot to you, and you've had the is it bitter taste of second? No, not really. Like I, 2012 was a really good race for us. It was my first podium ever in the sport, um, and to nearly win the biggest race of the year is massive. So yeah, it was it was it was what it was back then. You know, Wing Cup was hosing everyone in in every session back then. So. Ideally, I'd, I I wish I had a bit more of a crack. Um, yeah, that's the only thing that slightly gets to me. But you know, with with the information at the time and how long the day is and stuff, and how good we were going, and it was a kind of perfect day till then. Not well, still a perfect day, but uh, yeah, I did the best best job with the information I had. Yeah. What about what about this weekend? It's it's like you get to Friday and it feels like, and I'm not even racing, but it feels like it's Sunday. I know. We've been here since Tuesday. I'm flogged. I'm fried. I drive the car to get a rest. I'm serious. Yeah, we've been flat out since the uh, Tuesday driving up here. It's a long drive from Melbourne. Um, yeah, doing heaps of media appearances on what Tuesday we started. Wednesday we started at 8 in the morning and finished at 10 at night. And, you know, similar yesterday. And it's just flat out. It's really, really busy for us. And I couldn't get over. You crossed the bridge, went to Kelso, and it sounds like your team is second-hand after a charity basketball game. Yeah, we played the World Championships of Kelso Community Basketball, and uh, poor Chris Pither rolled his ankle. <laughs> uh, Luke tore his ACL. He has to have surgery again, he thinks. And I've got two big blisters on my feet that suck and annoying. Is that part of the brake problem, or it's on the accelerator? Uh, they're both sides, so, yeah, I'm stuffed. It's not ideal. <laughs> Sounds like it's helping you race, though, so or helping your car go fast, so whatever works. Mate, doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't fix understeer. Just, you know, at the end of the race, it might I might just struggle getting out of the car. That's about it. My leg's a bit bent. I heard it about a week and a half ago, trying to be fit for Bathurst, but that was pretty stupid. Yeah, I gave that up years ago, I as know, you can tell. I know. <laughs> Dave, all the best for the shootout tomorrow, and uh, I look forward to... Well, I've backed you in the race on Tuesday. I, I went Each out way? on him. No, no, I put my <laughs> neck on the line. All Every, out. Everyone was saying McLaughlin, and I said, it's Dave's year. You never know, mate. So. You just never know. It's a long, long, very long day, but, yeah, it, uh, we've got the ingredients. Have a good weekend. Mm. Well, all the best. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We caught up with Scott McLaughlin on Friday after he was the fastest qualifier. Of course, we've already mentioned how he's backed that up on Saturday with the new lap record. Interesting to just hear how he was looking at the weekend, even at that point, and the consistency of the team. Yeah, it's been full on, and I think it's going to get busy on Sunday too, looking at the weather radar. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Have they been a bit trigger-happy with the red flags, do you think? No, 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 no. I think you have to be trigger-happy here because, you know, there's some big... Big shunts can happen after the shunt, so no, I think they're they're doing the right thing. What about uh, what does it mean to be fastest on Friday on the in the top three on Thursday when it comes to Sunday? Uh, oh, it's 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 important, you know. I think uh, you know I'd, I'd love a podium, I love a win. Um, I think just anything that's good for my championship would be fantastic. I mean, I want to win this race, and I'm going to do everything I can to win it. And if not, I'll do whatever I can to make my championship better. And how different is it this year going back with Frenchie after a year away? Oh, it's good. It, you know, I mean, Dave was fantastic, and, and but it's nice to have Frenchie back. We're good friends and. Um, you know, he understands me well. He drives a car that's very similar to me, and uh, we don't have to change that much. So, uh, I'm excited. We, you know, like, as I said, we're good friends. And I think that helps as, as well with trust and stuff. You know, he, um, 
don't even worry about it. I was in my motorhome today cheering them on, you know, just watching them and not really stressed. It's really cool. Has that meant you've been able to concentrate on a fast lap and let him do all the fuel runs? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely been doing all race run. He hasn't done any, any quality stuff, which is, you know, he doesn't need to, you know, and, um, you know, it, it, I have done some race stuff just, just to check if I like it, but he's literally probably set up the race car. So, um, yeah, well, he's he's well well on, uh, under control in that area. Well, it's going to be an interesting shootout tomorrow. All the best for yeah. that. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Alex Primo, what's it like to be the co-driver and having to watch your lead driver, where you have been, of course, uh, put in a new lap record on such a an iconic track? It's pretty amazing, yeah. You know, like uh, especially with uh, Scott, yeah, uh, we have good friendship, yeah, uh, outside of of the track and in the track also but uh, yeah what he did today when you are looking on the screens and the TV you, it's starting to build up and sector one uh, the micro sector and then it's building 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 and then in McFellamy and then he's going pretty wide you say oh phew, my god you know it could cost like one two three tenths and you could see that on TV uh, he was a bit more narrow yeah, for, for the first of Skyline so you say oh maybe might lose like two three tenths but at the end yeah he's been very deep in skyline and in the deeper and yeah he he, he still continued yeah, to to build up and on the forest table it was fast on straight line it was fast and yeah he did the lap yeah but um, like leaving that in in the pit in the garage yeah, with Ludo with uh, with Ryan and all the engineers yeah and they were like uh, behind the table it's it's pretty amazing yeah, it's it's crazy yeah. I mean all the all the fans yeah they, they were like sharing yeah uh, Scotty when he was doing his lap and. Yeah, it's not just like a, a quick lap, it's an impressive lap, yeah, where it's just impressive. Scott said to me yesterday that you have really just, the race car you're going to race tomorrow, weather permitting, is going to be your car, and this qualifying car was his car. Yeah. It's, and it's all about tomorrow too, so you, you're going to really, um, I guess, live and breathe everything that you've made the decision on for the race car. Yeah, of course, yeah, with uh, Ludo and Scott, yeah, we've been working hard on the qualifying car where uh, Scott was more involving and me more on the on the on the on the race car for for the setup but uh, I mean we've been yeah working pretty good and uh, the car is, is pretty strong I mean all the the way that things that we saw that was the direction to go yeah we went there and uh, yeah the car this morning yeah we did some long run and the car was yeah just flying same as in qualifying but different kind of uh, kind of set up for the race but car was very strong yeah so definitely we are looking after the race after yeah we will see if it's dry or not but anyway we have a, a strong package and we will try everything yeah to to score as many points as we can you talk about the championship now but winning this race is both on both of your bucket lists do you take a chance at the end to win over take the points yeah i mean Last year, I finished second with Shane, uh, one tenth. He won the championship. I was fine with that. It's fine. I prefer to score a bit more points than risking like everything yeah, to to win that race. And uh, at the end, yeah, maybe we would have maybe something else. But I mean, we'll, we're going to take all the points possible if we can win. It's a cherry on the on the cake. Yeah, that's it. Well, still the longest day to come, but yeah. uh, congratulations. The team has just Thank been you. so smooth and, and immaculate all weekend so far. Yeah, the team, Shell uh, Vipor, has been perfect, and I think it's a good reward yeah, for, for the boys who's been working yeah, very hard and yeah, looking forward for joining him tomorrow. Yeah. Luda, congratulations. The fastest lap ever here at Bathurst in a supercar. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's, uh, it's a dream come true. I, I, I love the team. I love what we're doing. I, I'm really happy with uh, with Scotty. We, we we are forming a fantastic family. So it's fantastic. It's what? just a very. It's one of these moments what you keep for 10 or 15 years in your life. You see. So that's that's what's special. Were you looking at the data or were you looking at the uh, data? Thing? Data and lap time. I, I look at everything. But uh, no, I know. I lived it through. Don't you worry. Well, in Dunlop Super Twos, it was Macaulay Jones who won the 250-kilometre race, and he spoke about his emotions and what it meant for the team to get that top step of the podium. Yeah, like oh, I'm feeling awesome at the moment. You know, I'm on a high at the moment. I, I suppose like it's I've been fighting hard. You know, working on my car behind the scenes and, and really pushing uh, with my engineer to to maximise the car at the moment. Like we've we've had to, we've had a tough year with you know we pr- practically missed a whole round with Tasmania and. 
and obviously with our whole team we've had a fair bit of damage going on so there's a lot behind the scenes that we've been working on you know we are we've been really pushing development in our cars at the moment and, and really getting somewhere with them I mean is it you know are the emotions we saw it in, in pit lane there when the whole team came down you had Nick you had Brad you had Kim you know is there a lot of emotion in this win because it has been a pretty tough year for everyone at BJR yeah, definitely. It's definitely emotion. You know, uh, even my sister was down there, and, and to have Andy up here was was awesome as well. You know, like like you said, we we work side by side at the workshop, and and it, and we're obviously in the same team. So it's it's really cool to have that, and and to see my dad down there. You know, it's this is uh, this is a place that he's always talked about winning. Uh, you know, and going well at. So I've always wanted to to win in something around here, and and you know, hopefully this is a start. You know, so really. Really emotional for us, you know. As a, you know, got to hug him after the race, and I could, you know, hear the quiver in his voice. I think he's tearing up a little bit, which is, uh, which is cool to see. After the break, here on the night before the 1000, we'll have our final part of the roundtable, and well, those tips. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood and you're listening to Supercars Today. After the break here on the night before the 1000, we'll have our final part of the round table and well, those tips. Welcome back to the night before the 1000. Adrian Mussolino, Paul Marinelli and Peter Norton here with me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, I don't know if we've missed anything in that first part of the round table, but certainly the winner tomorrow is going to be the man who can do a rain dance because I think the race starts at 11 and the rain starts at 11.05 or something really? similar like that. <laughs> yeah, the forecast at the moment saying 90% chance of showers throughout the day, um, thunderstorms in the afternoon and evening, wow. heavy wind, um, 15 millimetres, millimetres of rainfall, so... It looks like it's going to be one of those days where it just rains all day. And we actually haven't had one of those races here in a while. We've had periods of rain late in the afternoon or in the morning, but not the whole day. So I remember one of them back years and years ago where in the old pits and the, there was like a mudslide through the pits towards the garages. Yeah, uh, the old bunkers, I remember working in them with Glen Seaton Racing, and we were up to our chins in water. It was There were guys lying under cars that were submerged in water almost you know it was it was mind-blowing mind it was terrible <laughs> it is 25 years since the 92 race where it was called short because of the rain and accidents and the winning car was crashed down right yep. down yeah. at and the end a very of the famous, and, uh, yes. very famous yes. red flag which led to all sorts of things didn't it? <laughs> parcels, so, um, <laughs> there could be something in that it could be a very similar could it be a missing day. year then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, if that a skyline isn't it interesting with the weather forecast though that all this Power game, these power games that Team DJ, uh, Team Penske, Team the DJR, Team Penske have done, uh, and PRA, these uh, immense power games that have been made for here will probably be useless. You know, if it rains as much as what they're saying, you won't be able to use all that power, which will make for a great race. It would be great for this, and obviously that they're the ones who are struggling the most with mm. top speed, and they really do need something, and they have some handy drivers in the wet there, so that could be key. Peter? The, I think the rain opens up a whole new question and that puts a bigger focus on the co-drivers. Mm. The co-drivers who are less familiar with the cars, mm. uh, less experienced all around, uh, they're likely to be the source of the, all, of the, uh, uh, all the safety cars. And, and, Peter, uh, and Paul, you have some pretty strong opinions about co-driver time. and I, mm. I actually took some notice because you mentioned it to me last night mm. and I think Luke Gilden, 10 laps today in the final practice mm. session. Yeah, and, oh. To me, they need more laps. It's very, very clear. I mean, it, this weekend hasn't been so bad. There have been years that have been worse than this. Uh, the, and teams, luckily, during sessions for all drivers, have been, as we saw this morning, using the co-drivers a, bit, a little bit more. It's very, very important. I mean, you can't give someone 10 laps and say, go out there, start the race in the rain, good luck to you, you know, see you later, or <coughs> never give them a run on new tyres and then put them on new tyres. They don't know the characteristics of the car here 
this weekend on news or you know, in wet, we haven't had a wet practice session, so there's not much you can do. But remember, the co-drivers are usually thrown the task of starting the race, and that's not easy. It's not easy. It's a huge responsibility. Could you imagine that in the wet as well? Okay, they couldn't allow for more running, but you've got to give them as many laps as you can. I think in past years it's been bordering on the ridiculous, but this year's been a significant improvement. As Paul hinted, there's not been one lap of wet weather running this weekend and it looks as though the warm-up will be dry but the race will be wet so it's going to be a very interesting day if that's the case. Yeah, it is indeed and I also just think that we've seen so many different teams up and about that it could make for a very difficult situation with disparities on speed between main driver and co-driver too and uh, we love that in the 12 hour it's one of the great Mm. things the six hour is building a reputation and it's got differential speeds but these guys aren't used to coming up on a car that is three or four seconds a lap slower and that's what we're going to experience tomorrow and, that was and then the, if it gets wet, it's going to be five or ten seconds lower. Well, that was the big issue in the race you referred to in 2000 when you had mm. big grids and you know, privateers and, and the, it was a mess of a day because you just had so many accidents and you know, if the weather's as bad as they're all predicting, then that could be the case. The, the, the danger here is we have such a small grid that if you start wiping out a number of cars early in the day, it could be just a race of survival. Mm-hmm. Look, I think if you want a great race... Just add water, you know. <laughs> we know if it's going to be the way they're saying it, it's going to be an incredible race. Just got to hope that it's a safe one and it's not a race that has us stopped for an hour because something's going to be fixed, like what happened at Sandown. I mean, absolute joke. You know, that race should have gone full distance, regardless of TV commitments well, or whatever. You know? Bathurst is the only one that does. Yeah, yeah Bathurst is the only race that goes a thousand kilometres down. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't think the fans on television around the country, it's our one day that the whole nation stops for <laughs> motorsport, even more so than the Formula 1. Much more so. You know, barbecues all over the nation. Everyone gets into this. You know, It's our big chance to go and showcase our sport, and we need to see it all the way through. So it's, we'll see what happens, but it should be exciting. Well, uh, it brings back the memories of when Chaz won, where mm. we had a lunch break when mm. they fixed the road. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good example of where it can create such a, an upset yeah. uh, where the, the fancy runners have just remarkable problems. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm already on the record. I've said it's Reynolds, McLaughlin... And Tanda is your one, two, three. Who wants to uh, put their neck on the chopping block first? Um, I'll go for Van Gisbergen, uh, mainly because of the co-driver. Matt Campbell has a bit of ability, races in Europe. Uh, I, I would expect that he's got some ability in the wet. Uh, my second pick would be Coulthard. I think that uh, they run a more conservative strategy for Coulthard, and that may pay dividends. Uh, and running out the three would be uh, Lowndes and Richards. That, that experience will pay off in the wet. Mm. Experience is everything, isn't it, Paul? Um, absolutely. And speaking of that, someone we haven't even mentioned, Jamie Winker. I'm backing him for a big result, a top three result. I think that they've worked on a race car all weekend. They, they've realised that qualifying just wasn't working for them and they've settled back and worked on a race car uh, balance. And if that's what they've done and they've just been gone outside the top ten by... Yeah, you know, it's over a second, so it's significant. But yeah, but it's over a second on the um, time yes, the, of the shootout. The shootout times, okay. Um, but but I, you can never discount him. He's won here, he's lost races here, but he's been so fast here all the time. So Jamie Winkup, I don't think we should forget about him. Uh, Scott McLaughlin, for sure. I think he's one of the guys got to watch, and Prima is just so good all the time uh, as the enduro uh-huh. driver. Um, it's hard to know who else will make the three because there's so many good drivers in there. Um, but I'll, I'll just go out on a limb and say that I think that Van Gies is, is looking the form. I mean, he's, he's brilliant. And if it's wet, he is super brilliant. I mean, he's the only guy I've ever heard in atrocious conditions to get on the radio and say, it's, it's fantastic out here. <laughs> I'm loving it. And you're watching the car on the edge every single lap, and he's having a ball. And you ask you him, know? and he goes, I hate the rain. Yeah, well, <laughs> so he says. Yeah. Um, Doesn't and, look like it when he's driving. And just for a, for a top ten, like... Just to get into the 10, I'd love to see Simona and David do it. Not because of my links with David, I'd just love to see a male-female combination get a top 10 result at one of the greatest motor races in the world. I think Simona's finished every race. She started Mm. in the two. Mm. And I think she and Renee Gracie got 
uh, top 15? Yeah. Or was it a bit higher than that last yeah. year? So it was it was a solid performance, both her... Yeah. And so she's proved she can get the car home, yeah. struggling a bit with speed, as you said, and, yeah. and, and a handicap really that's dis- already built in. Really disappointing. I was expecting, given her experience here, that she would have been a little bit quicker than what she is. But look, as you say in the race, she's got the experience. Let's see what happens. And mm. particularly if it rains, because it won't hurt their straight line so much. So. Yeah. Adrian, the final man on the chopping block. Uh, I'll say that if the weather's consistent, it'll be Scott because the pace is just too good to ignore and his co-driver steady. But I think another dark horse, if it's an up-and-down day, is James Courtney and Jack Perkins. They've gone about it quietly. They made the 10. Um, I I think that's a good combination. And also uh, Chas Mostert and Steve Owen. You need a good, experienced co-driver in those conditions. Chas, as we saw here a few years ago, when he's up against it, he can you know, really pull it out and he doesn't get you know, too disrupted in his head. And I think that's a combination to watch. And perhaps running at the podium, I could see Garth Tander and James Golding. They were quick at Sandown mm. and their race pace is good. It's just a question of if Golding can keep it on the road in those conditions. Yeah. I'm, I must say, one of the big things that we've benefited from, why is it, why the car's been so quick right throughout the weekend, they're on the 2016 tyre and every team is being allocated a complete set of new rubber. They're not using practice rubber from Winton or practice rubber from somewhere else. They've been using new rubber all, all weekend and that has been a, a reason why you're getting a much more reflective grid and a much more um, a much faster grid. It also shows the superiority of the compound from last year compared to this year. I know what they were trying to do to make a softer tyre that would be faster and allow for more overtake. I know what they were trying to do, but I think that nothing compares to how good that compound, the C2 compound, I think they call it, from last year, is. It's a great tyre. It's a fantastic tyre. You can race that at minus 5 degrees in Tasmania, or 5 degrees in Tasmania, or 40 degrees on the Gold Coast, uh, on track temperature, or here, and it will be the same. It's a great tyre, so I agree with you. Adrian, final thought? Uh, it's going to be an interesting day, that's for sure. I think we're all going to be looking to the sky, and that's really going to dictate it. If, by chance, that it is dry, Scott, no one will see the back of him, but I think it's going to be one of those mixed-up races. And as I said before, my only concern in those days is it's such a shame we have such a small grid, because on those days you really do need depth in the field, because it will be pretty chaotic. Mm. I'm just glad I'm not a photographer out there in the rain all day. Peter, <laughs> your final thought? Uh, I want to talk about passion. Uh, the Dick Johnson team, Penske team, they've got the passion. Uh, some may look at them with a tall poppy syndrome, but seeing them in the pits and banging the desk and the excitement that they have uh, mm. by getting that pole position, that's magic. That's really fun to see. Mm. Paul, your final thought? True sporting passion, I agree with you entirely. You don't, we don't see enough of it. We see people happy and clapping and doing that sort of thing, but there is a difference, isn't there? And uh, uh, Final thought, I hope it's a safe race. I hope it's a safe race, if the weather's going to be as bad as what they're saying. I hope it's a safe race. I hope we don't have massive uh, uh, stoppages or anything like that. And may the best man win, our woman. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, Ludo's comment. I rode every moment with Scott today mm. in qualifying. It's never so true. And, and it's interesting, while you saw his reactions at Triple Eight over the years, I've never seen him react the way he is with this team. I think that says something, you know. It just it says something about how he feels and how he and Scott have gelled. Uh, it's not that he didn't have that sort of relationship before, but it is different. It is far more passionate. And as Peter said, I think that that counts for a lot. You know, it can really lift everybody. From the guy, the guy tightening the wheels right through to you know, everyone, it just lifts everybody's performance. Mm. Well, we'll be sick of the sight of each other after four long days here at Bathurst, but uh, thanks for joining us on the night before the 1000. Adrian Mussolino, Paul Marinelli, and uh, Peter Norton. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Grazie. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.